Today is Thursday, December 6th. It's really going to expose my uneducated mess of a mind that I oh, have in dude. sports. Man, you were, you were shooting here, and you would hit, like, here. Am I just a dumbass? Which, you know, is very possible and actually might be a real thing. Your wrist position in neutral is actually not straight. Your wrist position in neutral is at a 15 to 20 degree incline. How close was your relationship with Campbell? He's personable. He's definitely a player's coach. It's weird that, like, someone would break up with you when uh, there's so much chaos. Oh! <laughs> Are you, you proposing childbirth microtransactions? <laughs> All right. So let me tell you about the reproductive system. If the first thing that you notice during someone's orgasm is the smell. There's some questions that need to be asked. Untitled After Dark. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Untitled Underqualified. Uh, this is what I like to call the summer revival. Uh, and to start it off, I had just listened last week to an episode of uh, Macro Dosing with PFT Commenter and Arian Foster. Love that show. And they had on Brian Cox, who is a, uh, a, he's a theoretical particle physicist. And I was like, I know somebody who was super interested in that stuff and is way too smart for me. Uh, and that would be Jason. Uh, and then I was like, but I know somebody that's even smarter than Jason. And that would be... I don't think be, that's that hard to be smarter than me <laughs> i mean it's it's if you're if you're smarter than me and he's smarter than you then i feel like we set the lowest standard for podcasts available on every major platform but uh yeah today we've got a, a guest that i've known for 20 23 years no sorry you're only 22 still next month isn't Damn, this guy's out this here like outing your month. age yeah, no, I'm, it's okay. I'm 22. But do you want to do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, my name's Nathan Spilfer. Uh, I am a mechanical and aerospace engineer. I uh, I'm 22, but I uh, I also just because I'm young doesn't mean I, I'm not I can't be prolific. So. I've got two degrees already, actually, uh, both from Princeton University in mechanical and aeroengineering. Wow. Okay. I was, uh, maybe it lapsed, uh, maybe it's just because I was so tired when uh, Finn called me, uh, but I, I did not remember hearing Princeton. That's that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. And yeah, it's a little college in New Jersey, little college in New Jersey that uh, happened to also be Ivy League. But yeah. Congrats to that, though. Multiple degrees on Thank that. You. Thank my you. Favorite, my favorite scientist of all time went to Princeton for, I think it was his undergrad. Jeff Bezos? No, he's, he's oh. not my favorite, uh, unfortunately. Oh. He's my, he's my th- third favorite. He's okay. my third favorite. Uh, behind uh, number two, we've got uh, Schrodinger. Love that man. He was full of ideas. I don't understand too many of them. Uh, but then I absolutely loved Richard Feynman because he was just such a character. He taught here as well. Did he really? He he did a Princeton lecture series. Yeah. So did Einstein actually he taught in, in, in Princeton. 
I took a final actually in the, the lecture hall where Einstein taught. Kind of cool. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And Princeton is yeah. one of the oldest institutions in the country, isn't it? I think third oldest, maybe. Something okay. like that. Harvard is definitely the oldest. They're founded in the 1600s. We were founded in the 1700s. And then William and Mary might be second. But I think that's around about about the order. I've never heard of William and Mary. They're an old old liberal arts school. Oh, yeah. liberal arts. That explains okay. why I haven't heard of it, because it's liberal arts, and I don't know anything about liberal arts. I'm more like the engineering schools, as I know. Okay. Yeah, no. I mean, the, I mean Princeton also you could call it a liberal school as well. <laughs> I know, like, MIT is, like, the big engineering school out in the, out in the East Coast. Yeah, that's that's about right. So, so Nathan, what uh, what kind of dr- pushed you towards the exact degrees that you got? Because I remember you weren't quite sure going into, or at least uh, this the spring semester of our senior year of high school, you weren't quite sure what you wanted to uh, really do. Uh, kind of what pushed you towards uh, mechanical and aerospace engineering? Well, let me see if I can. Yeah. Um, I guess I've always been interested in, in STEM. I've always been interested in STEM. So I, I kind of went back and forth between wanting to do engineering and also physics. And even at Princeton, I, I, I was at one point a physics major. So I, I, I went through, I, I, got, I ended up following an, um, the physics track and getting a physics minor at Princeton. So I uh, took all of the physics courses, took uh, quantum mechanics, general relativity, the, and, uh, and classical mechanics. So like the, the core uh, physics theories behind like modern physics. And then, um, and then on top of that, did all my engineering courses. But yeah, I, I've always been interested in like, in, yeah, STEM and especially like physics and like physical things and uh, finding out more about the Finn, I want to point I, out I to you. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, go for it. Uh, go for it. I want to point out to you, Finn, that there's a uh, there's a stark contrast between classical physics and modern physics. I know nothing. No, about I was that. literally just about to ask what like where does classical physics end and modern physics begins? Because well, I was. <laughs> so. Uh, the classical mechanics would be like Newtonian mechanics. Um, so that's, that's a theory, the theory of gravity theory of like the forces, like theory of um, how I just, that, I mean, at one point in this is, he came up with it, you know, in the six, 1800s, I think. Um, but at one point, this was considered the, the, the only theory. It's the, the best theory of physics. And then Einstein comes along, posits special relativity and general relativity. And then we also get quantum mechanics after that. And so we, we kind of pr- you prove that the classical mechanics is wrong. F equals MA is like, it's an approximation. If you've heard of F equals MA from, from high school physics. Right, right, right. That, that's 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 classical that you could call that classical physics but it's like classical mechanics properly is what you would call it and it is in approximate like approximately it's correct but einstein and then the quantum mechanics guys came along and proved it and it's not quite all the time so quantum and general relativity give you the idea give you like they're not unified either quantum is on the short scale General is on the massive scale. General relativity is on the massive scale. 
and they don't work together. So the kind of the new the new push in physics is to figure out a unified theory and bring them all together. It's not remember, happened yet. I, I remember hearing Brian Brian Cox talking about that because he because Arian Foster like. For a football player, man, Arian Foster is such a fucking nerd. Uh, like, it's like it's crazy. This man was asking so many questions. I'm like, man, I never would have even thought about that. But he was talking about how, like, so much of Einstein's stuff really can't be disproven currently with what they know, and they think that really what he like theorized very likely will, will be proven later on. And it just blows my mind. General relativity has been proven, but it's not always correct. That's a problem. It's, it's not correct on the smaller scales. It just doesn't, their two aren't consistent with each other and they both are true on their own, like in their own scales. So it, at some point you have to modify them both, but yeah, no, it's, it's right. It's a correct theory. Just says Newtonian physics is correct too, because it, if you know, if I push, if I like drop my phone, it's going to drop, you know, at a at the rate of mass times gravity, or not the the rate the at a like a, the, the gravitational force of mass times gravity. Like it's correct, but it's an approximation. As well. everything is an approximation, we can never truly know anything in physics. We can never really truly know, truly like get the final answer. There will always be more. So it's kind of one of those things, and and I guess forgive me if I'm being too like black and white here nothing can really ever truly be proven because something will always contradict it we have no way of like we have no way of getting on the other side and being like yeah this is this is like we have no we have no way of like because because we're three-dimensional beings living in four-dimensional space-time we have no way of like of like looking like top down from like an omniscient point of view and saying like yeah this is correct because there there can always be things out there that we can't observe it's, our, it's the problem with our sensory apparatus and what we can observe. Science is based on observation. And we can, we can never truly observe everything. We, and if we can, we would have no idea that we did. So because we're not, we, we, don't have, we don't have any way of proving that. And so, yes, there's no way to know that our final theory is correct. Because there's, there could easily be more. And we'd have no way to know. That is true. I guess to, uh, to people that are stupid like me because like i'm a i'm a a physiology guy so to me i read journals i read studies and all of those journals and studies talk about how they had these specific set of parameters that they were testing on and you know group a was the control group they gained no muscle mass group b was taking 90 grams of protein you know, every, every day and they lost muscle mass. The other group was taking two times their body weight in protein every day. They gained 40 pounds of muscle mass, that kind of deal. And so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, this was proven to be correct, but like, that's not going to work for everybody because really you can't prove that one thing is in, in, in exercise science, we would say best rather than correct. Right. In all science, it's it's an approximate. Like it's it's based off what you. It's based off your what you assumptions. See. Yeah, it's based off observations. But also, you have to make a ton of assumptions for any test, mm-hmm. any experiment, and it's within the it's within the bounding box of these assumptions. 
And, you know, sometimes that bounding box is on the border of what we can observe. And we can't go outside. We can't actually say like, yes, it, it is correct within like what we know, because sometimes we, we just, we don't, we don't know if there are extra parameters outside of our observation. And, and I've always been fascinated by that whole concept of that, that just entire concept, because whenever I've been, whenever I'm, I'm just like bored. Well, this is when I was still taking physics. I, don't, I passed all my physics classes. And that's been years since I've taken it. But I was thinking there are times where I'm just really thinking deeply about it and just being like, how do we know exactly that this is right? Like we're doing these things based off the assumptions that one guy did and that one guy was able to prove that he, or like basically show to the general public and a lot of smart people Basically, that what he, he was was doing is correct. I mean, I think anybody can do that too. Like, they can prove anything that could be could be wrong, but if they make it look right, like I, it's it's a little yeah. bit hard for me to say because like we know it's right, but at the same time, how right do we know it, and like how how far off are we? Because like we know we can use physics and engineering to construct stable buildings that will last for dozens of years, but. How does that all work? Like, do, uh, what if it was? What if it's done wrong? Like, what if we think it what, was what, right is wrong? Like, who 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 validates it? Yeah, or there's like, always like this. This it's always fascinating to me because like we we don't exactly know for sure if it's right, but we assume we that it's right. You and yeah, you and me don't necessarily know. I mean, like part of that is is this idea of science and this idea that we don't. In order for me to believe something, I don't have to go out there and test it myself. I can believe the the multitude of scientists that have published research papers and have done the research on it and show that it's correct. So in order to prove F equals MA, I don't have to go and get a stopwatch and, you know, and get a known force and try and measure and show that this law is correct. Because I do trust that after like, you know, reading all this literature and for this, it's just a physics book, reading the physics book, you know, that it is correct. But, you know, yeah, getting into some of these more, more, uh, abstract. you know, abstract ideas, more, you know, obscure ideas about maybe some electron orbital in uh, some isotope of radon, you know, you're in you're it's some quantum effect based off some sort of some type of magnetic field polarized in a certain way. You know, some researchers going to prove that they're going to publish findings. And in order for that to become like science. It's going to take more than just that one paper published. It's going to take multiple people trying it and seeing if it's correct. You see this now with like dark matter. We're trying to prove the existence of dark matter. One one um one uh, detector has detected it, but others are showing that they can't detect it. And so we're building new experiments to try and like prove the existence or prove prove the detection of dark matter. Is is dark um, matter the what we believe to be like pushing the universe apart, or is that antimatter? That's that's dark energy, actually. Dark energy, okay. Well, uh, dude, all, it, there's there's so much. Yeah, co- cosmology is kind of absurd, and I learned this in general relativity. But I don't. I think dark energy does contribute to the expansion rate, but there might be like there might be more behind it than just that. Because if I remember, if I remember the, I attended a lecture at Iowa State, um, where I was promised, I was promised food afterwards, and I did not get the food. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not exactly happy that I went. But uh, 
I attended a lecture where they were talking about the expansion of the universe and they were like, basically we've named, we like, we're trying to give a name to what is pushing it part because something is. Uh huh. And they were like, is it a physical thing? Maybe we don't know. Yeah. Is I, it- I actually, I know the answer to this is called politicians. I- <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Hey, look at that. Come coming back strong. Okay. But like, no, that that's that's basically just why I asked because I remember hearing about that in 2017. There's a lot of different aspects to it. It's not it's not just like a one parameter equation. But I think I think dark energy contributes to it. Dark matter is this matter that we see in galaxies when we observe the so according to like Newtonian actually let's say according to general relativity. We see that there's there's this observed orbit rate that stars should should have this this orbital velocity around the black hole at the center of their galaxy, and when uh, we look at it through telescopes, we look at neighboring galaxies, say Andromeda Galaxy. We look at the the um, orbital velocity of these stars. We see that they're not what we observe. We not they're, we don't we don't. Uh, we can't predict this velocity. It's not the correct velocity under like the current view of physics with the amount of matter that we that we observe in this galaxy. So we pause it instead of changing our theory of gravity to a, to 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 like instead of changing our theory of gravity to modify this orbital speed and say, okay, now it's right, we say maybe there's just a ton of extra matter here and it's dark matter that we can't observe. And that dark matter is causing these velocities to be different. And we say that we find that in order to make the uh, the calculations correct, there should be about five times as much dark matter in mass than there is regular matter. And, and it interacts very weakly with us. It's all it's theoretically all around us because there's, there's a sphere of dark matter around the Milky Way galaxy. Um, we can't we haven't been, really been able to detect it yet. We're not sure we have. But yeah, that's the idea is that it, it interacts very weakly with us and it is around us. Okay, so to so to me, and again, I'm trying to relate it to uh, people that are stupid like me, but um, it, to me, that sounds a lot like the sliding filament theory of muscles, where we figured out that m- muscle cells move all but independent of each other. They're constantly not the not the cells themselves. The parts that make up the cells move independent of each other to expand and contract. Um, in order to actually produce, you know, muscle movement inside of skeletal muscles. Now it's smooth muscle and cardiac muscle. It's completely different, but it's one of those things where for a long time, they just assumed that it was one way and they created the sliding filament theory. Eventually we were able to observe it. Right. So let's say that we observe dark energy and then it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this confirms that it's not possibly Right. I mean, the idea is that in order to, in, instead of just abandoning everything we know, mm. we look, we look for something, we look for something new. We, we say, yeah, we look for something new. It, it might be really hard to observe, but maybe it is there. Which That's makes sense. Which makes sense. Cause what I've, what I've learned through science is that we don't want to abandon what we know because what we know is technically provable to a point. It's on the right track always. It's it's usually right. you, you're never going to have to go back to square one. Um, all these new theories have to, and there's this idea in physics, and we don't have to talk about physics all the time. I, I mean, I'm I I know more about engineering to be honest. Um, but we can um, if we uh, 
all these new theories that we find in the limit of, say, and this is calculus speak, but this is true in the limit of, like, say, um, like smaller scales, like it, for general relativity, in the limit of like smaller scales, it should become Newtonian gravity. And it does mm -hmm. like that, that, that guided Einstein to his ideas because it should become what we observe in the limit of like our conditions. So like, yes, we'll, we'll never fully abandon our idea of physics. We'll never fully abandon our idea of mathematics based on some new idea, based on mm. some new findings. It should, it, it should conform and like expand what we know. So, so it's, we're, we're always on the right track. We're okay. always on the right track. Mm. So speaking of gravity, I kind of wanted to shift into something that you're definitely a lot more familiar with. Um, and the physics talks was just was just because like man that stuff like it's so it's so trippy. You can you can it's go so down trippy. such a massive rabbit hole with physics just because there is there there are people that literally spend their entire life like studying physics. They go to school for physics, then they go to grad school for physics, then they do a doctor and do a thesis on physics, and then they continue to do research in, on physics until they're like eighty eight or whatever. I wanted I wanted that to be me. I mean I wanted to do that for a long time. Yeah. I mean it sounds cool. It's so it cool. It's fun. It's it's hard. You need to be really good at math and Beatrice High School didn't teach me math too well, so I kinda had I to... I know one person. I I genuinely know one person that was better than you at math, and he I believe is an economist now in Lincoln. So Who's that? Uh that would be the man that just visited me on Friday. That would be good old uh Noah. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I, got, I got to cook him a filet mignon on Friday, so that was pretty fun. I think I might have uh, surpassed him in math skills now. Oh, at this point, probably. I hear competition. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hearing. I've, it, it was I've, something. I've taken quite a bit of math. It was something. Mr. 33 ACT versus the 34. Yeah, Damn, I can't even compete yeah. with that. Dude, I got a thirty-four times in a row. I I'm not touching you guys. Well, I'll I'll, I'll say this about the ACT, and then we'll 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 transition to engineering here, because you know here in the Midwest, you have to take the ACT to really get into engineering school. Uh, they also take SAT schools, but or SAT scores. But we're we're weird in the mid. I don't even know if they still do the ACT. I have no clue. But it exists. Yeah. Yeah. So most most high schools take the ACT instead of taking state standardized tests now. In in the in like Midwest, in the mid in, in the Midwest, yes, in the Midwest. Standardized Kansas, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, and Nebraska all do the ACT instead of taking a state standardized test. Kind of yeah, on the East Coast, no one has ever taken the ACT. Yeah, they do the SAT Everyone's over taking there. SATs. Yeah, you had to take you had to take which I took SAT subjects. subjects. Yeah, I yeah. Took, which subjects? I took math two and physics. Ah. Yeah, I will not be sure. Right. I don't. I don't even remember my scores. <laughs> but the yeah, the the SAT and the ACT that that's a whole can of worms. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll just say this about the ACT is that and, and any standardized test, it it's not a measure of how like people when you're in high school, people are always like comparing. Oh, I got this on the ACT, blah, blah. You got this. Oh, you're a fucking dumbass. Like the ACT is is really just a measure of how well you can take a test, not well how smart you are. And that's just with any standardized test because they're standardized. They're predictable. So, if you if you want to know how how bullshit the ACT truly is, you get a thirty two on the math section without answering the last twelve questions. 
And the last 12 questions are the only ones that are junior and senior level courses in most high schools. Yeah, not not even Beatrice. So there was some that I couldn't even answer based on Beatrice. Yeah. On but, from uh, my high school, which is where we went to high school. But like, it's yeah. not, it's, it's highly, I mean, that's why a lot of schools are getting rid of the standardized testing requirements because a lot of like kids from underprivileged backgrounds, they don't, they don't have the, they have no chance. They don't have a chance to, to compete with like kids from prep schools on these, uh, on these ACTs. So yeah, no, it's, it yeah. doesn't matter. I, I took two standardized tests when I was in high school. I took the ACT first and then I took the, the good old college board. Well, actually, I took the AP exams too, but the the college board PSAT, the National Merit Scholar, whatever thing like that. Basically, the the test that is like that that test is truly a measure of how rich you are, because, yeah. because all the rich kids would get high scores on there, and if you got a high score on the PSAT, that would get you uh, that make you a National Merit Scholar, which would get you scholarships to go to to colleges. Only if you were a junior. I took it as a sophomore. That's um, true. Good point. That's a good point. Did did not qualify to take it as a junior. And yeah. But yes, yeah, so I that, didn't take it. That's what I, yeah, we no, do I, as engineers. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember being surprised about that. But going into a, kind of an engineering thing, I fell down a rabbit hole about two months ago um, for the space race. And I was very much interested in the politics and like the economic, economic, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Just the, the economy and the politics were the, definitely the most important part of the space race when it comes down to it, because that was how we were able to collapse the Soviet union for sure. Oh, you're talking about the old school, the seventies and sixties. Yeah. Yeah. The original space race and how, um, I remember reading, I remember reading something about how V2 rockets were literally the reason that we were able to get into space as just a species period. Nate, this is all you. I'm an electrical engineer, so, uh, <laughs> I can't really, can't really do anything to add this to this. Hey man, I, the most I've ever done when it comes to science is compiled data when it came to uh, how much people were able to squat. <laughs> oh, so you're an MIS major. But, <laughs> but. So, so are you, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, this is just history now, but you know, the V2 rocket, the German rocket, which is what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That essentially this uh, post-World War II, we took all of these German, all these German scientists who were like, I mean, they had some really, really good aerospace um, engineers. being the most famous. Yeah. Right. And we took them over. We made them a part of NASA. They didn't, they didn't go on trial. We didn't really care. We kind of, like, kind of just gave them asylum, honestly. And our, our space program was like, I mean, they, they're the reason our space program is what it is. At least why, we, why it became what it was in the 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah. Briefly, I want to interrupt here. You, so you were saying that the Germans were on trial, like NASA. Is that or I've missed? I might. I feel like there's some disconnect in my brain about what the we story. didn't. We we didn't put the not we didn't put the Nazi scientists on trial that we took because we knew that we could use them. Right. It's kind of like how um, Japan and their oh, what was that super awful 
it was like Operation 731 or something like that, where they did all of these horrible medical experiments on people. They froze somebody's arm, like just their arm, and then hit it with a hammer until it shattered. But like none of those scientists went on trial because we were like, for war, for war crimes, it, because we were like, give us the data that you got from that, and then we'll just let bygones be bygones. And then we integrated like a ton of their space engineers into our into NASA. I mean, they they, mm. they they were on payroll. We brought them in, and they're they're they were doing experiments here. And unfortunately, so, like that's that's one of those things. It's a very political thing. It's the reality of war. Is that the most progress that you will ever ever see scientifically will always happen during war times because countries are forced to do it otherwise they're going to lose look at jet turbines but in that's in select industries that's not going to be in like theoretical it's not it's not every industry it's yeah it's in aerospace yeah definitely in aerospace and mechanical engineering definitely i'd make the argument um that that was it was especially true during that time period because oh yeah that time there period was, was a big boom in, in knowledge and and learning a lot of different things and figuring out a lot of different things i mean america had our industrial revolution what late 1800s early 1900s and then really we didn't find out a whole lot we had just created the car after all like less than less than a century before and then suddenly we go from going going from the first flight of man to we create jet turbines. We create rockets that are able to defy gravity and then shoot down with incredible force. And um, the point that I was trying to make with the V2 rockets was that Russia also had quite a few. But they had a distinct advantage at the beginning of the space race, which I don't know if you've ever heard about. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they were the first to do almost everything except land on the moon. But I can't remember his name now because this was months ago that I was reading about this. I fell down the biggest rabbit hole ever. Who um, was it? The first man in space? Uh, no, it was it was a man who figured out how to get – it wasn't get out of the atmosphere. No, it was to cre- how to create a an engine, essentially, that was able to propel – something where there was no atmosphere. Um, so are you saying like overcome, so they the, are, overcome like the, the vacuum of space, move in the vacuum of space. It's, I mean, all you need is a rocket engine to do that. But he was the one and like, and he died in like 1936. He died before World the War II. A Russian guy? Uh, it's probably. I wish that I could remember his name. It's probably the Russian, um, the guy that wrote kind of the first rocketry book. His name uh, started with a T, I think. That seems possible. Yeah, I I, I know nothing about aerospace. Shulkovsky. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that would be yeah, him. Yeah, that's the that's like the very first rocketry book. I mean, not the very first, but that's like the that's like the the class. I've read it before. I literally read the book. No, I I I had figured that you had heard something about the, or at least I was hoping. I I had no clue. Um, yeah, the the rocket equation is 
we literally attribute to him. It's called the Shulkovsky Rock Equation. It's called, I mean, I can't share my, or I could share my screen, but there's no real reason to, but it's, it's kind of the equation that, it, that tells you how fast a rocket's going to go. And mm-hmm. he posited that. Yeah. It's and used I, all the time. It's used all the time in rocketry. And if I remember correctly, he, he had made it in the study of trying to figure out how, like, because if I remember correctly, at that point we knew that space was a vacuum, that there was nothing there. Or at least we had assumed that there was nothing at all. And so, because I, I can, we, like, like, a, like a rotor, like, so, so like a plane, which uses a rotor, just to like kind mm-hmm. of explain it in very simple ways. Sure. Like, yeah. a, like, a, like a rotor blade, like on a, on a propeller aircraft. She's just like a fan, essentially. Takes air and it blows it behind you. So the only way you can act, you can move, we have to go back to physics again for that, is F equals MA. We need to, we need to accelerate some air and push it behind us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just like just like getting up in a chair and you push up on, and you, like, you, know, you have internal friction in your muscles, but you push up also to get out on the ground with your legs. Mm-hmm. When, when was the first, uh, first airplane built or... When when the oh, first flight happened, nineteen eleven. Yeah, nineteen eleven. Did we, did we 1911. know? Right. Yeah. Did we know about the Bernoulli principle at that time? Because the Bernoulli principle, I think, is the one where that that, that generates lift. Right. That's that's Bernoulli. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's you could say that it. The Bernoulli principle is like pressure and velocity relates pressure and velocity. Okay. Um. Are, are you um. So it's kind of a fluid mechanics idea, but yeah, you could you could probably you could probably deduce why lift why you can get lift from an airplane wing with Bernoulli's principle. But um, I have no clue what that is. I I but, stopped I stopped paying I stopped trying to learn physics after I lost Jeff. You need to you need to go to uh, fluid mechanics. Yeah, that was an early at Iowa State. That was an early physics two concept. Um. I don't really know how to. Uh, the way that I think about it, which could be incorrect, is that like the 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 velocity, the the shape of a wing is attributed. They they make it that way because of the velocity going of of the air going over the two surfaces, the top of the wing and the bottom of the wing, and then it, I think it's the pressure increases. I think at the the bottom of the wing and that generates lift. I think that's how yeah. it is. Yeah. Bernoulli's principle is like a really old concept though. It's like 1800s. Okay. Not seven, 1700s. But yeah, I mean, they didn't really know how to make, I don't know if they designed even the wing very aerodynamic, like in a very aerodynamic way, but yeah. yeah from the, right, the, from the low, photos low there. speed air and high speed air. It doesn't look very, uh, very aerodynamically sound to support the Bernoulli principle, but they made it work somehow. The first uh, aircraft, or sorry, so is the Bernoulli first principle plane. the one. So is the Bernoulli principle the one where they have like the things going over and under mm-hmm. something and the diagrams? Okay, just wanted to make sure that I was on the same page yep. because again, kines- kinesiology guy here. I study the physics of the movement of the human body, and that's like the most I get into that kind of thing. I think like, yeah, I you exchange pressure for velo- you exchange velocity for pressure in it like and then that the pressure will then push you know high pressure on the bo- bottom of the wing low pressure on the top of the wing is going to give you lift and i forget if that's a linear relationship or not i don't remember the actual no, equation it's, it's not 
It's not. P plus one half rho v, rho v squared. Okay, so it's an exponential. Uh, it's, uh, you quadratic. 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 Is exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah so exponential yep. is the one that has e to the something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Nathan, um, yep. question, and I'm trying, I'm trying to relate it to something that is relatable to you. Did you ever attend any of the science camps that ESU five put on? I don't. What, what is that? Yes. What? ESU five. The. Do you remember uh, Dave Henning? I remember Dave Henning. Okay. Um, I I think him I and think Matt Gerber. I think I did some summer camps at the with that. Um, yeah. But they they would host them at the high school, and yeah. they had one year they had us make rockets. Right. I remember I got I got paired with Bryce Party. That was fantastic. He literally looked at me and went, "You make it how you think it needs to be made." And I was like, "Okay, I'll tell you what to do." And he goes, "Great." I knew I knew nothing about physics. I think that was sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but there were quite a few of the rockets that would just spin a lot and then okay. crash really hard, right? They wouldn't go up right. very far and then they would crash at a super like acute angle basically. Yeah. So like what what would make okay. A, a, okay. a rocket or a missile do that? Okay. So I guess we can get into the basic principles. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So the idea, so let's just say we're doing model rocketry, so you have no control. So my, my side of like a missile would be to control the missile. And to do that, I use either, there's usually about, there's usually two like good ways to do it. There's one is control surfaces. So like on a plane, you have um, elevators, ailerons, and rudders. They're like that's the idea that you can like you can tilt these these control surfaces and steer your plane, and you have full control over the plane. Um, with a missile, you usually just deflect your fins, or you deflect um, yeah, that's or deflect canards or something like that, which are another. What does deflect mean? Deflect means like you know, tilt them at a certain angle relative to the body. So if they were fixed to the body, they would be fixed. They they would they would be they would be rigid. And unable to move on the body surface, but say we wanted to control the rocket, we would we would deflect the fin to then control it, and that's what I work on. I work on okay. how to how to like control the rocket's movement. But okay. let's just say for a second that we're doing a static rocket, a model rocket, model rocket, and we have these um we have these fins that are fixed to the to the body. Now, in order for this rocket, which has no, um, it has no active control, in order for it to be stable, we have to look at this idea of the center of gravity, which is like where the, where the, um, where like the average um, of the masses along the, along the rocket. We also have to look at the center of pressure, which is where the aerodynamic force is at. And essentially for a model rocket and any rocket, like a, they call it sounding rockets, which are bigger rockets that aren't even model rockets, but just don't have control. The idea is that we need to have our center of pressure behind our center of gravity. And if we do so, then our rocket will fly straight. That's pretty much the whole idea. Okay. Now, the, so 
that's why you know if we want to make a rocket that's stable we put our fins at the back rather than the front because if you put fins on the nose of the rocket it's not going to be stable at all it is going to spin it's going to do crazy shit also looks ugly <laughs> it will look very ugly it'll look ugly but right. i mean if you see it coming towards you then you think damn that thing's scary so like, i mean it's, i mean <laughs> they're it's already not, scary but like if, they, if you have the fins just coming at you that's even scarier it won't be flying at you though it will be doing some crazy spirals so it will not be coming right at you but it might hit you from like i mean it, you can't aim a rocket like that so that would be more like a v1 rocket not like quite at the front but a v1 rocket was the fins were in the middle yeah i mean so the v1 rocket the v1 flying bomb it has a wing it's like a, it's like it has a wing it looks like a plane it literally looks like a plane or like a, a drone from I, today. If, if I remember correctly, I don't think these had. A, they had, had a tur- pilot. They had, had a little pilot. turbine. They had a little turbine on the back. They would aim it somewhere. Damn. And then what? What did you do? Why did a police right outside? <laughs> dude, I dude, I live literally downtown. I'm looking at Creighton's soccer field right now. I can see TD Ameritrade down the street. I watched literally the stripe on TD Ameritrade go from green to blue. I hear sirens and horns all day, every day that I'm in my apartment. <laughs> it's great, though. I love it. No, it's great. I live on the 11th floor. When it's super foggy here, I genuinely will wake up and I'll be like, dude, I, I fucking died last night. Shit. Silent Hill, man. It, I mean, li- when I lived in LA for a year, I would hear like gunshots would be a, like a Constant. normal occurrence. Yeah, that's like a normal occurrence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, for me, luckily, I. I live in a more, not like well-to-do area, but I live in an area where you're not going to find a lot of that. I live catty corner to Central High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I live just two blocks away from Creighton University. So like I'm good on that front, but I will hear gunshots pretty regularly at both my work and at my apartment. <laughs> I, I live in a pretty decent area of LA too, and I live in Hollywood, but there's still gunshots everywhere it's, in LA. I'm, yeah, but that I th- feel like with that one, it's more so just a population thing. You know, I you know, I feel bad for you, Nate, that you lived in LA because I mean, Why? I guess no matter how much money you were making, Jason, because Jason's a Republican. So no, I mean, that's not. not that, that, <laughs> that, that's not. The, no, um, no, I'm full disclaimer. I'm not. I don't align with any political party. But not, I digress. Um, I I just because I know because as, as engineers we think about like. Okay, where do we want to go work, like in the industry? Like we have to think about the the living wages and and, and like the costs relative to what you're making. And right. California can't. I don't. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to live in California, uh, just because of like how much you have to make. Cost of living. Yeah. So like, in order for you to make the equivalent of like sixty thousand dollars in Iowa. You need to make like a hundred and thirty six thousand dollars in in California. But as a consequence, you well, for one, a lot of people. I mean, you would expect to to maybe pay more because you have beaches in LA, whereas you have you know nothing in Iowa. Wait, I, 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 you're gonna offend all the Iowans that say we have nothing here. You're gonna offend. Well, you don't have beaches. You don't have beaches. No, you don't have beaches. That's what I meant. No, we have. No, but be- they have the field of dreams. We have beaches of corn and bush light. 
because I'm just trying to satisfy all the Iowans that might listen to this. <laughs> um, Which I so currently yeah, have to But, I mean, I interviewed for a few aerospace companies in Silicon Valley. So I interviewed for Joby Aerospace and a flying car company. And, you know, as a start, as a, you know, these startups are going to pay you a lot. I mean, yes, it's the most expensive place to live in the country. It is the Bay. The Bay is the, the most expensive place. But starting salary, I was, you know, they, they said I would be making closer to 150, 160. Like, that's why it's a little, it's, you know, you get paid more to live there. Yeah, yeah. They have to pay you more, basically, if they want to keep you on. Yeah, I mean, rent is 2500 to 3000 Yeah. Dude, I, w- I wish that I could have made that much last year. I think that I... I think I personally topped out at like sixteen grand, and then my company topped out at like four hundred and fifty. So like it was like, uh, man, that is rough. I can't imagine making enough money to pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like I've got employees right now, and mm-hmm. they work they work solely off of what they produce, like. They they understand that, but like, man, I can't yeah, imagine startups. making that much money as a company. These startups have tons of money, and they IPO, and then well, now it's kind of it's harder now because tech is getting destroyed in the stock market. But mm. yeah, back in like I don't know twenty twenty one, even I mean, these companies were soaring. All of these electric car companies, uh, flying car companies. Dude, what is, what what is that? Explain that to me. Flying like they're trying to develop one, or are they the, the what? What's? Yeah, I mean, the the idea is like you know, it's not necessarily like flying car might be kind of like a colloquial way to thing to call it. Um, it's not like people think of like, it's like air the, the jets. It's air taxis. It's air taxis. Yeah, no, it's not. A, it's not an that, all terrain. Like it that doesn't help me at all. It's an air taxi. So it's like it, I get like you know, the basic I get the basic idea of a taxi cabs just like basically a sedan kind of deal. This is like a little plane that can take off on a tiny runway like on like in like a parking lot or no actually they can take off vertically. So they they take off vertically, they fly you, you know, 100 miles away and then they land vertically so they can land in a parking space and that's kind of weird. That's the idea. Okay, so like I like I'm looking at a parking garage at my window right now. Um, I turned my camera, but then it would take me way too long a, to find it. Can not land in a park? It might need like no, 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 like like I'm, parking space, like, like the roof. Yeah, I could land on the roof easily. You could land on like like a box of like five part. I don't know, six parking spaces. Okay, okay, yeah, no, like I, I was about to say, like so, it could just like it could, so like worst case scenario, it could take off using the roof of a parking garage as like yeah. a little runway. It doesn't need a runway. It takes off vertically. Dude, that's it's like a it's I mean like a like a helicopter type thing, but then it then it also like can fly you know faster. So it's it's like an osprey then, kind of like an osprey, kind of. Except yeah, I mean it, it doesn't. I'm not saying yeah, it is an osprey. I'm saying like it's no, comparable. You're right. Yeah, Joe. I mean Joby has tilt rotors, but it has I think it has four rotors, whereas osprey has two massive rotors. But yeah, it is similar to an osprey. Osprey's vertical takeoff landing. Yeah, see, the problem is with, like, that would, if if the Jetsons didn't exist, we would classify that as, like, flying car, and we would consider that a flying car, but because the Jetsons exist, 
if like when people think of flying cars, like if people are saying like, "Oh, you work for a flying car company," they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's awesome." And then if you explain it to them, they're gonna be like, "That's not a flying car." So that's like yeah. that. It just sucks because of of what the perception of what we were gonna popular have. Popular culture, yeah, yeah. Popular culture makes you think that it has to have tires and has to be able to drive around. Yeah, I'm trying that's to find. Absurd, I'm trying to figure it out with an Osprey so I don't seem that stupid. Have you ever played Modern Warfare 3? Osprey oh. is, is a... I actually... So I actually um, had, a, had a job offer from Boeing makes the Osprey. And I was going to actually work on the Osprey. They're, they're the... Um, for their vertical flight division in Philadelphia. Um, but the Osprey is like kind of the oldest plane that we use and I wasn't really looking forward to working on it. So I decided to go to Raytheon. It's, it's a helicopter. No, it's, it's not, a helicopter. not though. It's, it, it's not, it's I'm, I'm too, I'm too stupid to go pat to, to define it. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like the space shuttle is more stable than an Osprey and the space the shuttle has crashed a lot of times. Yeah, the, the space shuttle, the is, space shuttle had to, the space shuttle had is the most stable thing. That has ev- probably ever been created that could be m- used for multiple flights, because uh, that had to endure re-entry into our atmosphere. Right, yeah, you're right. But the, the special just—it it fascinates me entirely because I we can talk about we re-entry were, and hypersonics now. If you are, yeah, we were all I, like, I'm what, what does it hypersonics. take? What is it? What does it take aside from like? Let, let's ignore the heat part of yeah. re-entry because that that's the hardest part that's the hardest part is heat. okay so so let's so let's talk about all of it i guess let, let's go from like the hardest to the or easiest to yeah. the hardest, right so what's the easiest part about re-entry i assume that's just getting it to re-enter the earth's atmosphere that's not that's not terrible getting it to re-enter we just need to we need to we need a little kick so say we're mm. in orbit we're going to be in orbit if we're in the atmosphere, I mean, mm-hmm. let's just say we are. We're at the ISS, which is where the space shuttle would have been. Which is, we need in, a little, which is in orbit, yeah. Yeah, and we need a little I, kick. It's in lower, it's in lower orbit. Um, I, mean, I, I think. What, 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 what is, yeah, it's, it's a lower, lower it's a lower orbit, orbit uh, center. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's, it's essentially as low as you can go without, without significant drag. You will have drag from the atmosphere. Um, even at lower Earth orbit, but if you go any lower, your drag is going to be so huge that you're just going to get deorbited very quickly. So lower Earth orbit is like as low as you can go and still orbit. Theoretically, you could orbit if we have no atmosphere. You can orbit at sea level, right? No, that no, that makes sense because like, and and this is this is something that like, God, I I remember. This, this I don't know be- how many. I don't know. I, I hate. Hey, calm down. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of something. I'm, I'm thinking of something right. different. <laughs> so, like, I remember having this argument with so many people about flat Earth, and I and I only engage with them because it's entertaining to hear their arguments. Like, 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 flat Earth is so stupid because they're all like, "Oh, you can't prove it." No, I can, and here's why. And they go, "Well, yeah, but I haven't seen it." I'm like, "No, you have," and here's why. If you if you like, want to disprove it, so I can. I mean, so when I was in. We're getting, I mean, I would like to keep talking about re-entry, but we can, if we can get back to it, that's great. Um, no, we will, we will, we will. When I was, when I was a sophomore in college, I sent a rocket to space and I put a GoPro on it 
and I have footage of it. So if, if I ever talk to any flat earthers, I show them this video that I took that was on my rocket that I sent to space and okay, I recovered okay. the GoPro and you can see the curvature of the earth under, under you. Just pretty okay. Exciting. Okay. That, that, that's hype. I was, I was about to say, and hold on, Jason, I'll, I'll get to you in a second because I a hundred percent, I'm going to forget what I was going to say. If I don't, if I don't get it out. Um, I mean, you know me well enough, Jason. You should uh, just start taking down like every anytime you have guests on, you need to you just definitely just like, need to have post-it notes and just write. Dude, down. I my whole thing today was like I'm gonna do some like la- like last minute research that I was gonna do today, just because then I would remember it like better. And then like 100, I've had the longest day ever. I've just been running around. But anyway, um. Uh, but like usually what I tell them is I'm like, do you believe in gravity? And I've actually had some say no. And I'm like, okay. And then I just walk away because if you don't believe in gravity when you're walking on something, then I, you're beyond hopeless. But like I always tell them like gravity is always going to go towards the center of mass. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you're always going to go towards a certain point. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Then why is every other planet a sphere why is every star a sphere and then i will because of gravity i'm like okay so then earth has to be a sphere and then usually that's where i end it because i'm not trying to convince them of anything because you can't convince stupid that they're wrong it's all an exercise in like in like how far you can like take science and like Mm. how far you can like like extend the idea that we don't know like the idea of like uncertainty or something because I mean, some people are just going to say that they, they're just like that these uh, there's a dome above us. And these are just like pictures of the, of the planets going some stars. Some people truly believe that some people don't even think gravity exists that we're ex- that the, the plate of earth is accelerating upward at 9.8 meters per second. Oh, squared. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's the one. Yeah. No, I forgot about that <laughs> argument. That's the one where usually they don't believe in gravity. You're right. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, you know, going. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes, but like after, like I don't know, like a year, I think we're already going like ten C or something, ten times the speed of light. So I can't <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Oh, it's super. <laughs> it's super crazy. Yeah, no, I, it doesn't really work. Hey, what's the brand of three by three you got there? No idea. But no it's idea. good. It is. It's really smooth though. Ooh, that looks like a GAN. It might be. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a GAN. I'm gonna redirect us towards back towards aerospace. I I have a yeah. a question. Uh, just a side tangent, a side question regarding your rocket, um, and then we will. This will lead back into reentry. So yeah. the rocket that you sent to space. I'm assuming that oh, we get some art here. Nine by nine. Ooh, mine's just okay. seven. Okay, so I'm the assuming that, space. yeah, I'm assuming that you did that for a company or for a school. Like you didn't just do it by yourself. No, I didn't do it by myself. It was a little, it was an intercollegiate team. Um, it was kind of through the Princeton Rocketry Club, um, which is this club at Princeton. Um, we decided that we wanted to be the first uh, student group to send a rocket to space. And I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that to discredit you at all. I was, I was saying that I was going to go here by saying, well, you have to have some sort of clearance for that, right? You can't just shoot something into space because, like, I feel like the FAA is going to get really mad at you if you if you do that. No, you can't just you can't just do that. No, yeah. um, above a certain uh, there are different heights, but above like thirty kilometers, you're going to need to get a waiver. Um, 
so we yeah, we we got an FAA waiver to to um, they, they clear the airspace. This we we were we were shooting we were, we were launching out of uh, Spaceport America in New Mexico, borders White Sands Missile Range. So they're they're very used to clearing the airspace above um, that area. There aren't that many flights to go above there because I don't think you can actually ever fly above White Sands Missile Range. Um, that might not be completely true, but it's a very classified area and has tons of missiles there for the DoD. Um, but yeah, the FAA, um, we, we got a waiver to, to launch to space all the way up to like, to God, essentially, you, you have all the airspace you need. So you could, you could, you can go as high as you want. Um, the, I'm honestly not too super familiar with the waiver you would need to like put something in orbit. I don't, I'm not entirely certain of that. But yeah, I know we got we got a waiver, and you have to prove all these certain things. You have to you have to do a sixed off um, trajectory analysis, so you know exactly where it's going to land. I mean, within a certain radius, because you can never know for sure. But you you give a radius of where it's going to land, so that way that you know you're not going to land at Albuquerque or something. Um, they yeah they all sorts of different things you have to show. And and how I was going to relate this back to reentry was the rocket recovery. Like, did you recover Great. the rocket? Did you recover the GoPro, or was it just sent to the cloud and then? We did two. We did two launches. Um, one was actually we did four launches. Two were two were Operation Space, so that was an intercollegiate thing, and two were just Princeton. Um, and the GoPros from Princeton were recovered. The Operation Space rockets were a lot bigger. They were a little bit worse engineered, um, and our nose cones. Uh, they sheared off at like 20 kilometers. They didn't make it, but the other one, I think the other one's peaked at maybe 80 kilometers, not quite space, but uh, by our like metric of space, which is hundred KM, which is called the Carmen line. It's this idea, hundred kilometers. It's this like arbitrary designation where space begins. Um, they didn't quite make it to space. But they're close. And then shortly after we tried it, USC um, rocketry club, they went like a hundred more kilometers. They they they're the first troops to hit space. So we failed. Ah, you Seven. didn't fail. There's there's no there's no failure in engineering and science. Well, actually, there's en- there's failure in engineering, but you 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 succeed from failure. Yes, you did. Unless somebody no, dies, in which case, I don't think you can really succeed from that. That's aside a from catastrophic failure. No, that's a catastrophic I, failure. I, I, would, I would use yeah. I would usually uh, categorize somebody dying as being a genuine failure. Uh, It'd be catastrophic. Yeah, people get fired. Like, uh, did, did people did people die after Apollo one? No. Okay, because I know that one caught on fire. <laughs> um, but back to reentry. Wait, so, wait, the one on the the one on the rocket. The one they Apollo didn't take one, off. I don't know what caught fire. I just know that Apollo one caught fire. Oh, the rehearsal. Yeah, I think people got it. Um, sure. But so coming, going back to reentry, you said that like it's, it's not that bad getting back into the point of orbit to where you're going to create enough drag to actually, you know, reenter the atmosphere, right? Yeah. Um, so, so with that side question, how how exactly would and we're I'll I'll use the shuttle here for example just because I feel like this the NASA space shuttles are the best example of anything that's ever been able to go back and forth to space 
consistently. I don't know if there's been anything else. It, it just makes there has it, been. It makes no sense to me. It, it, it's but that's what it makes it fascinating because to me, to me, the 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 space shuttle is a brick with wings. <laughs> so because yeah, because it, it's all ceramic, isn't it? The, the the shielding is yeah the ceramic you can't so the idea the, I mean this is a very hard materials challenge because for structure we need we need I mean nowadays we'd use carbon fiber um, composite materials but we need we essentially need steel or mm. aluminum because it's strong ceramics aren't that strong or they're 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 very brittle but they they do have strength um, no I've used and made ceramics and they're not strong yeah, they, they're very brittle um so they can't survive um and i think that's like the why. structure but they, they're very heat resistant so they're going to they're we're going to make our tiles out of them and mm. so that way they we can we can uh, not kill off our crew and bring our uh the, te- the internal temperature of our spacecraft to like 200 c and vaporize our crew or something and what what was the shuttle that Blew up during re-entry. Columbia, or no, sir? Uh, yeah, that was Columbia. Yeah, that was Columbia. No, it was Columbia. Columbia. No, it was Columbia. Because... Blew up, uh, after takeoff, Columbia was the one that blew uh, that disintegrated in re-entry. Because I remember, I remember thinking as because, ah, oh, shit, Nathan, were you on six north or six south? North, I think. North with Mrs. Henning. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I remember on the anniversary of both of the space shuttle incidents because she ran a space unit um, mm-hmm. in her science class. I remember her um, talking about each one. And I remember thinking to myself when, when learning about the Challenger one, damn, it would have been so much cooler if Challenger, which is a cooler sounding name, blew up during re-entry because going to space is so much cooler than not making it to space. And like that's how my sixth that's that's how my sixth grade brain operated. And no, yeah, no, it was Columbia that uh, I thanks for that. My, it's, it's fucked. It's my, fucked. My engineering brain is more of like, why would you ever <laughs> like I, I, I would rather go to space. I mean, come on. Dude, Big Bird was supposed to be on Challenger. Challenger, Challenger has made it to, made it to space. Though. Yes. Did it? There were four shuttles. Well, no, it, no, it did. But no, I mean, like when it like I mean, not that that day it didn't. No, yeah, that was that no, was no, no S- that day it didn't. No, S- like S- something. I don't remember what because the, no, the space shuttle might die. Like, like it, it's one of those things where it's like if you die in the mil- military, it doesn't matter how much you've done; they're going to remember you for your last thing. And I'd rather die doing something cool. But that's a hundred percent just. My sixth grade brain being all like, man, I wish that Challenger blew up on upon re-entry. Well, Challenger, the problem with Challenger was the the um the the tiles. Boosters, the SRBs. The SRBs. Really, that's Columbia. They that is Columbia, yeah. started shedding its ceramic tiles, but um, no, the SRBs were absolutely. I mean, I, I would never ever fly on on a solid rocket that large. Um, what is an SRB? Solid propellant. It's just a solid rocket booster. So nowadays, you know, solid, if you look at the solid propellant. Because you're not talking about liquid oxygen. Because liquid oxygen no. was what they used for the most part, right? 
Or am I wrong? No, no they use solid rocket boosters for the entire space shuttle missions. What was what, am- what was the makeup a- of the fuel? Ammonium perchlorate. So it's 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 what it's what's used in like it's what it's a it's a very common solid fuel. You have the oxidizer and your fuel mixed together. Mm-hmm. So you can just you give it a flame and it goes. You don't you don't really have great options to throttle it. You kind of have what you have. Um but it they're dangerous. They're very dangerous. And I would never ever fly on a solid rocket that large. I would never fly on a solid rocket. <laughs> So but nowadays, so, you know, SpaceX uses. I mean, SpaceX. Um, the. I mean, I mean, we we've been using liquid a lot. Um, Apollo flew on Saturn V, which is a liquid. I think it was Keralox, kerosene, uh, liquid oxygen. Um, so, this, so yeah, okay. So you said that SpaceX uses a solid. Aside no, from no, 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 no. SpaceX does not use solid. No, it doesn't. SpaceX uses liquid. They they used to use methane liquid oxygen. Now they're going to Keralox. Is is that safer? I mean, liquid inherently is, none of it's safe, right? It's pretty safe. Yeah, it's pretty safe. Well, I mean, I mean, like at the end of the day, anything that's flammable is not going to be safe. What well, I mean, per it, se. in that mindset, then it just depends on what your definition of safe is. Then for this it, question, I mean. <laughs> I mean, SpaceX I mean, has had, SpaceX has had no deaths. I mean, they're 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 very they're a very safe rocket um, company. I mean, they with all of guess, the orbital insertions they've done, they've taken three NASA crews, I think, up to space now. I mean, they're they're pretty good. I get. They're I guess. Good. I guess the only danger at SpaceX would probably just be sexual harassment. Um, all right. Well, wow. <laughs> that's true. Sorry, we're very topical here at uh, Untitled Unqualified, which this is actually the first episode where second episode? Second episode where we've had somebody that's actually qualified to answer questions at all. Um, The first episode would be my personal favorite episode, the one I was most excited for back when I had the world's worst internet, uh, because thank you, Windstream and Beatrice, Nebraska. Um, when we had Dr. Jordan Sai, which that episode is available to view on our YouTube channel. Always got a plug. Um, but so coming, so coming back into orbit, all you got to have is a little bit of kick, you said. Okay. Yes. And then you can create enough drag to get basically. Yeah. It's not, yeah so yeah, drag is. Drag is is needed, but let's look at it like let's look at it very like um like let's let's be precise with it. Sure, absolutely. If we're on a trajectory to go toward Earth, we're gonna we're gonna impact Earth. The idea is we don't want to impact at Mach ten. We don't want to impact at Mach twenty. When when we start, we're gonna be at around Mach twenty six. That's the idea. Um, so like, we need to like go from the point of reentry to impact it would be Mach 26. We need to go from Mach 26 at re-entry to around Mach 0.1. Yeah. 0.0.05. Even if you even if you land at Mach 1, you're going to die. Yeah, right. So we need we need we need drag to slow us down. That's the drag the idea is we need we need to optimize this this flight path so we can slow down from Mach 26 to 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 impact velocity, which we want to be around like 10 meters per second or less. We want to, 
make it so we don't decelerate too fast because we, if we decelerate at 20 Gs, everyone inside is going to die. So we need to decelerate it like max like five, six Gs. I mean, maybe seven, eight, if we really want to hurt our, if we want them to like maybe go unconscious, but. So um, question, yeah. and this is, this is too related to me because I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What's the difference between G's and Mach? I know that Mach is the speed of sound. You know, Mach 1 is where you break the sound barrier. Yeah. Um, but it's like six, G, and, and, G's, and G's are the like is in G's refers to the force of gravity. So like what's what's the real difference there when it comes to actual like physics or mechanics? Well, velocity is completely relative. We don't we don't feel velocity. The our Earth is moving at like uh, like two hundred kilometers a second. Sun is sun oh, relative to the center of the center of the galaxy is moving at an absurdly like it's moving very fast. So we don't actually feel velocity. It's completely relative. We actually do feel acceleration though, and G's are an acceleration. Yeah, isn't so? Is it, it, it fry you? G is like so, the measure of the 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 rate of change of acceleration, right? That's what a G, G is. is G is just a it's just a measure of acceleration, okay. not the rate of change. So like that would be like jerk would okay, be the jerk rate of change is the of acceleration. Okay. Yeah, but that we we don't we're not too. I mean, it actually you do, do actually need those higher moments of like acceleration if you're doing like like moon landing. You actually do need to care about um, like jerk and jounce or whatever, but it's not super important in physics. Um, but acceleration, is that because, is that because don't of gravity. Uh, it's just because of um, controlling in this in the really like um, in the really um, reduced atmosphere in, in the, in the so so yes but not no. that's yeah it's more about the atmosphere yes but no okay so yeah, yes but sure. no. so the, yes, so but the no. way that I just said it is super simplified okay so like and like velocity we don't feel velocity because which actually I I would. It seems like we do. Wrong. It seems like we do. It seems like, like we do. You're walking on the bus. And you feel... When you're walking forward on a moving bus, you right. feel you feel a lot... You feel a lot different. Maybe, maybe it's... Not that you're feeling the velocity... And maybe you're feeling, it, you're feeling the, vibrations. You're feeling vibrations through the through the bus. You're feeling a lot of different things. You think, definitely feel like you're moving super quickly. And I know for a fact that this is part of it is due to the fact that I have like slight loss in um, fluid in my left ear due to an injury in seventh grade. But like, I will always feel with movement, kind of. Different no, matter on one side, what, right? no matter what you observe, it doesn't even matter if you're a complete mm. beast at, at like, <laughs> you, it doesn't matter at all. If you like, you know, whatever you think, you know, about mm. velocity, velocity is only measured relative to something else. So it doesn't even, there's no, there's no difference to like, if you're in space, if you're in the vacuum of space and you're moving one meter per second relative to me, or like a fraction of C relative to me, which is the speed of light, if you're moving 99% of the speed of light, you're going to feel the same. You're going to feel exactly the same. Ooh, I think I... We have lost him. 
You're muted, bro. He he can't even hear us. You're muted. Oh shit, my bad. No, he's um, back. No, I, I no, I I bumped my mouse there. Oh, my good. my mute buttons on one of my because like I've got a I've got a Dota mouse. I've got a Steel Series Sensei Ten with a CS:GO skin, which is really weird that they did that on that. Um, love Dota, so so like, dude, four buttons. That's fucking perfect for me. Um, but no, I I fully get it now. It's because it's relative to a certain point. You can never have velocity without direction, and direction is relative to something. Now I get it. I act. I actually get it. Am I oversimplifying it? Yeah, hundred percent. But like sometimes you need to over- oversimplify things. Uh, I, I wanna, like, like I said, my physics specialty comes down to uh, hey, how much force you actually need to output uh, to lift two hundred twenty-five pounds. Well, that depends on your weight, your raw muscle mass, your not raw muscle mass, your lean muscle mass, shit like that. So I actually want to test your your physics one knowledge. Oh, dude, I have I have none. Do you know the difference between speed and velocity? Yeah, speed and velocity. Velocity, you have to have direction. It's like, um, do you remember Vector from Despicable Me? I know what a vector is. I've never okay. seen Despicable Me, but I know what a vector is. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what his line is, but it talked about velocity and having a purpose. No, dude, velocity is always going to have a direction. I know, I, I, I know that much. And so that's why I was like, Wait, you're moving forward on a bus that's moving forward at 60 miles an hour, right? You're moving at this is absurd, 10 miles an hour walking forward on miles a bus an hour, that's though. moving 60 miles an hour. Miles an hour is not sorry, not velocity. Sorry, though. it's not imperial, my fucking bad. No, I no you in, can have imperial velocity, but miles per hour is no, not velocity. Kidding. No, miles per hour is not velocity because uh, technically velocity was created before the imperial units were. No, no, no. no, no. All he means is like all he means is like you're moving north or whatever. You're moving in a, in some certain coordinate system. That's what he means. Oh no, I I'm not. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not, it's okay. I'm not trying okay. to get into semantics here. But either way, either way, you can't feel speed either. You can't no, feel you speed. Can't. You can't. You but, can't. You can feel fast. He can't feel speed. <laughs> you can't even really feel fast. The idea is, well, okay, you can feel fast because let's talk. I mean, that's this subjective. is an aside. That's subjective. In, well, in an aside, if we're running through the air, we create a drag force. That mm. drag force is according to is proportional to velocity squared. So, if we're moving at velocity squared, we actually do feel a force back. That's why we can't run like as fast as we want. We can't run like super like we're gonna we're gonna have some force pushing against us. That's drag. From the air, that is going to make us feel like we're going faster because we're going to get a higher, like more, more air in our face as we're going faster. Yeah, that's no, I, 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 I man, I feel so stupid. I am stupid, but I feel so stupid. Well, you, you um, don't have an engineering education, so and we do. So that there's the things you like. I, I know nothing about A and P. Sure, you, you, you know what I'm referring to. I think when I say A and P. Uh, anatomy and physiology yeah so i know nothing about that um my the extent of my anatomy and physiology that i know has been uh uh through through a very specialized course offered at iowa state university called hdfs 276 but um oh no you
Dude, that course, dude, I don't know how many people I know that have failed that course for the sole reason of the instructor sucked, the course sucked, they just hated it, they didn't care. That course is genuinely one of the most failed courses at Iowa State. I'm not even going to explain, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not even going to explain what, what HDFS 276 is. Just know that it is. I know, I know the course. I didn't have to say it, but I know the course. Just, just know that it is a, it is a, it's a special type of anatomy and physiology class. Not even anatomy and physiology. It's, it's uh, human first, development. The first and word fam- is human. And human, that's human all. Human development and family sciences. But anyway. Dude, no, it like. Like, I don't know. I Nate definitely knows. Uh, God, I feel like I feel like him taking AP bio. He knows more than I know about anatomy and physiology just because that's no, that's the kind of man that he is. No, dude, that's the kind of Actually, ma- guy I, you I are. I do want to ask you, You Nate. just are inclined to anything. I, I do want to ask Nate because I don't think we, we revealed this because even I, I don't even know. Um. Did you say yeah. which degrees you have? You have a, a I know you have a bachelor's yeah. and you have a master's, right? I have a ma- bachelor's and a master's in mechanical and aero. Oh, so, okay. So you double majored. Yeah, and I also have a minor in physics. Okay. And from undergrad, yeah. So yeah, this no, man, he, he this went to very five smart. years. What's that? You went to five years of school, yeah? Yeah, five years for both degrees. I did four years of undergrad and one year for grad school. Right, because you just took. I mean, I'm. I'm sure. Did you? Did you take what an average of eighteen to twenty-one credit hours per semester? Go by credit hours, but I at Princeton you take if you're doing um if you're doing like a liberal art if you're doing Mm. or like humanities they call it they call it AB Bachelor of the Arts you do about four classes a semester. And if you're doing a BSE, which is a bachelor of science and engineering, then you do a about 10 cl- or like five classes a semester, um, 10 classes a year. And so for the past, like five years, I've been doing yeah 10 classes, or 10 classes a year. That's, I don't know. Probably. Took, like, oh yeah. That's, that's, kind of that, that's, that's like, that's like 21 credit hours per semester ish ish. Well, yeah. With, with labs and everything, it's, it's a lot. And I mean, I, I would take like three lab classes a semester sometimes. Cool. So it's a lot. I think people really underestimate like how much added time labs take. Like add like three hour. It's a three hour block. Yeah, three hours minimum. Yeah, it's like a three hour three hour block. But like in a lot of schools, that a lab is like one credit added. But it's it's Mm -hmm. really like the difference between like fifteen credits no lab and thirteen credits two labs is 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 quite a lot. Yeah. I, I don't really love this like, the credit hour thing, and that's why I like how Princeton does it, where it's more just based on courses you take. And I mean, it's a one for one thing. You have to take 32 courses, and you have to meet like distribution requirements. You have to do all these different things. But and you, yeah, you have to take a, since it's a liberal arts school and it has, you know, this academic stature, you have to be taking like, you have to take one philosophy course, you have to take an epistemology course, you know, you have to do all sorts of different stuff. Epistemology? Ethics and epist or like or ethics and morality. You have to take like epistemology is just philosophy. Epistemology is it's like theory of knowledge or something. The theory of knowledge. Yeah, no, that's exactly what, dude. That's dude. That oh my god, I god, I took I took a ton of 
developmental psychology courses. And that was already fucked. I can't imagine them talking about like, hey, so here's the theory of what we know and why we know it, but also you learning what you know and why you know it. That sounds I took beyond I took, I took quite a bit of philosophy at Princeton. Two or three courses. I, I, I've always personally hated philosophy beyond like personal philosophies. Because like personal philosophies, like I definitely adhere to Richard Feynman's philosophy of like, if you're going to do something, do something that you love and do something that you are able to know that you can have fun with. And like he said, he said as much in his autobiography. I, I've read his autobiography like three times. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you go back and you, I, I don't know if she's still there. If you go back to Beatrice High School and ask the librarian who checked out Richard Feynman's autobiography the most, it was me. Because yes. it was a minimum of three times. Because it was so much fun reading his stories, right? But like, he straight up said, if you do something, make sure it's something that you love doing. And that's why I ended up in kinesiology, because it's just such a broad field. I love all of it, aside from occupational therapy. I genuinely hate occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. It's too it's too generalized for me, in my opinion. Or not too, uh, too specified, sorry, for me. But I also know that I could have fun doing exercise science. Like, I started my own online coaching business. I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm, I'm I'm doing well. You know, when you have four employees, you're doing okay. You're doing good. But like I mean, unfortunately for tax reasons, I can't take money out of it. But like that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> but like then I love psychology because I like to know what people are thinking and the reason that I like to know what people are thinking is because of Sports. Iowa State doesn't have coaching psychology as an option. So I was taking developmental psychology because I wanted to know how young athletes were thinking, right? What was really going through their minds? I have most of my clients are below the age of 16. I've got about a little over 600 clients right now total. Um, I only deal with certain ones. Specifically, I only actually work with transgender ones for the sole reason of I personally want to work with them and figure out what works best for both male to female and female to male transgender uh, clients when it comes to specific goals. And I, you know, it's my business. I feel like that's fair. (laughs) Um, And at the same time, all of them, are below the age of 20. I have one that's 19. Uh, and just listening to this, like her talk, it's like, man, this is incredible to learn. Because I feel like as a scientist, you should never stop learning, whether it be from somebody or something, period. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's strictly um, confined to science scientists. It's not. I think it's just strictly confined to everybody. I think I think everybody should continue the pursuit of learning. Because I also think everyone is also a scientist, though. 
I think everyone is. I mean, science, you mm-hmm. could honestly, you could, you can branch it out a lot further than like what it's, the, science it's the, of, that, the science of linguistics. Right. I mean, in the end, we're all just, you know, we're observing things and we're trying to make a, trying to figure out how the world works around us. I mean, most people are trying to do that. Almost all people. Some people are. But. Everybody. Everybody. But hey, we need to finish this topic and I'm just going to let okay. you talk. Okay. Reentry. Okay. Reentry. We talked about getting yeah. into the atmosphere and then the materials, ceramics to steel or aluminum, right? Okay. So okay. Let, let's keep going from the simplest okay. to the most, most complex. Um, so we talked about G-loading. G-loading is important. We need to keep that mm. to a minimum. So that's based on that. And all of this we can do. So I took, I took a course in part of my master's. Um, I took a um, hypersonic reentry vehicle course, which is just exactly what we're talking about. Um, we, we designed a ballistic reentry capsule. So like the Apollo reentry capsules, or the, if, you know, if you've ever seen a SpaceX reentry, the Dragon capsule, um, like those. Um, but this is a little bit different than um, than a than a shuttle reentry, which is a lifting body, and it has wings. Um, it's a little bit of a different problem, but same similar issues, it's like similar things you have to worry about. Um, once we find out that the G loading is we're good on G loading, we do this with computer simulation. So we we're, we're, we we make a few assumptions, saying maybe that. Um, Say we can represent the uh, um, the coefficient of drag of the, our vehicle with like one value. Um, we do some simulations. We find out that you know yes, our these values are great. We're gonna we're gonna we have fine g loading. We decelerate fine. Um, now what we have to do is we have to design our TPS, which is thermal protective system, and that's where you get the heating problem. And that's really the entire. That's really the, the hardest part. So the TPS for reentry is is going to be where all the money and all the research is get, you're going to get sunk into, and you do heat transfer equations. So you do integrate the heat transfer equations numerically, see how the heat um, goes into your with, with different materials, different um, different thicknesses of materials, um, different uh, layer types, and eventually you're going to finally find something like we did in our class. Um, find something that works and then you're going to fly it and help it. That's what I would do if I were designing a vehicle. So was that like your final project then? Like, or was, yeah. it, was, like, was it just like a course where there was like no exams, one project, that's the entire thing? Essentially. I mean, in the end we had a, it was a four, it was a four person project. Um, and there were eight people in this course, four undergrads and four grad students. So it was essentially a grad team and an undergrad team. And uh, we had maybe had a few assignments throughout the year, like uh, shockwaves or a couple of assignments on the empirical formulas you use to um, to find heating rate for reentry vehicles. But like there were a few assignments, but then yeah, the in the end we had a final paper on this design study of this ballistic uh, capsule in a in a report. And a few large and people came through and watched the report. Which is do you have to create a design document based off of this too? Yeah. Yes. I have that. What's that face you're making? What? 
Finn's got a, yeah, you're like, Dude, I, like, what the fuck's in his side tag? I'm so confused. I mean, I mean, for this, it's, it was just like, uh, I mean, we have like layouts of the engineering drawings of the actual capsule, but then also just an entire design, like a hundred page design study of, you know, what went into each, each, um, design choice. Dude, I, I've, part, I've been a part of numerous studies at Iowa State, right? But they're, they're, they, don't, they seem like they're nothing close to what an engineering study is. No, not even close. Like, I, 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 will, okay. I will guarantee you that right now. Like the, the research so, studies okay. are... So here's a question. Do you guys have to have things peer-reviewed? If no, we do... No. That's if you're publishing it. That's yeah. if you're publishing something. No, I, I've been part of uh, pu- published studies. Um, yeah. which for me, it was data compilation. Like I'm part of, uh, at all is, and they were all like, Hey, we want to pay undergrads. And I'm like, instead, could you put me as part of at all? And they're like, yeah, you don't want to get paid. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get paid $400 to put together 3000 hours worth of data. No, absolutely not. It's going to take me a minimum of like a month to put this together. No, just. Put, just put, like, no, I don't want that. That's not even worth it. But also, it was all, it was all like... I, I, you, I don't know you, what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying, honestly. You were on oh. it. You were, you, were, you were listed on a paper as an author. Like, as part of at all. Like, I would be like... That means you're one. an author. That means you're what? an author. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Right, I think so. Yeah, at all, at all, I think it's Latin for like and others. Ah, I Wait, I just remember on the paper as an author. Is oh, that sick. is is my fan too loud? I can't hear it no, all. You're so. good. Okay, good. Okay, great. Just no, you just can hear sirens from my open window. Like, I, your your fan's fine. Um, I I have never published anything, but I. I mean, no, but okay. but you you sound you sound like you've done considerably more than I have when it comes down to any and everything. Cause like all I did was just. I mean, I've done a little, just a ton of different projects. Uh, like, I don't know, three or four. I mean, my, my senior thesis was a long range delivery drone, VTOL long range delivery drone. Um, I've done so a, like, like, so like Amazon. What, what, did, what did they call their drone service? Like Amazon now or whatever, but like better. Um, a, don't remember what they called it, but they, I don't know, they, they, they're going to probably be the world leader when it finally comes. It's still a while. I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the founder of Amazon who, by the way, his wife literally funded his company while he was unemployed in their garage, uh, which like. You know, good for him. He used to be mechanical and aero at uh, Princeton. He used to be a mechanical and aero engineer at Princeton. Jeff did. Interesting. He switched to software. Interesting. No, I because like he was unemployed in their garage in I think it was Connecticut, something like that. Um, until he finally like got it off the ground, and it was like just because he was only selling books at the time and whatnot. But like, you know, he ended up going to space in a in the world's largest penis. Like, you know, the world's biggest dick went this to is what space I come back in the to. world's biggest dick. Yeah, he did. 
Dude, that, that that design. Hey, what what do you think about the design of that rocket? Because it looked straight up like a penis, and I'm very confused. It's just a capsule. It's like a little bit larger diameter than the width of the rocket. It's fine. But it had it two boosters. Like it, it, it was a dick and balls. It's the it's the Blue Origin. What do they call it? Like it, it was, it wasn't just, just the new, uh, Glenn. the new Glenn only has one booster. Really? So it was just a gigantic penis. Interesting. Oh, it's not the new Glenn though. They don't apply on the new Glenn. Where do they apply? The, on the space tourism. I don't know. It's, it's okay. You don't have to. I don't know. It 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 space travel is such a crazy topic. It is such a wild thing to me. And I feel like it is absolutely something that should just be an episode in and of itself. But we're definitely past Jason's two hour or sorry, seventy minute uh limit here. So I'm going to say uh you know, that's where we're going to end it. I want to make one little retcon. Richard Feynman went to MIT for undergrad and uh, was told by a professor that he needed to go somewhere else for his graduate degree because he said that he wanted him to experience other professors, mainly because at institutions that are as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As, uh, highly regarded as MIT, Princeton, any place like that, you're going to find that the graduate and undergraduate courses are taught by the same people. And so, uh, yeah, Feynman went to Princeton for his graduate degree. So you are my second favorite Princeton graduate student by far. Um, undergrad. Undergrad, you're definitely my first. Above Bezos? Above well, Bezos? Michelle Obama? Well, no. See, my stipulation is hair, but bl- like it has to be below a certain length. So you're above Michelle Obama. For okay. sure. For sure. For sure. Um, but with that, uh, Jason, is there anything that you would like to say to, the, um, to end the episode? Uh, I will say thank you to Nate. It was excellent to meet you and also learn from you. Uh, I always enjoy learning. And and yes, I am kind of a dumbass. But um, <laughs> uh, one thing I, I want to uh, note is that uh, for those pe- uh, people listening to this uh, uh, and have listened to us in the past, uh, I will be taking a step back from this uh, role in... Any time that I'm on here, it, I am I am now a guest on on these. No, things. absolutely not. No, no, it's still it's still you and me. It is it is. Don't, I am don't just a guest because nope. uh, my life has changed quite a bit since uh, since the last time we were on air. So uh, yeah, Jason finally graduated. Everybody, round of applause for Jason. This is actually false. I have, I graduate in December. So that's shut the fuck up. <laughs> We did, but Jason yeah, has a trying. has a job inside of his degree, which is more than I can say for myself, and that's amazing. 
No, that's all I really Jay's... have to add uh, for for because if I, I assume uh, is my understanding that Finn will be taking over and doing more episodes over the summer. Absolutely. Um, Nate, is there anything that uh, you would like to say? No, no, no nothing. I think I've, I've said a lot already. Um, I'm good. I mean, you were you were the one that we wanted to say the most. Nothing you want to plug. Nothing you want to promote. No. No, no. <laughs> all right okay hey uh with that hey i want to thank everybody for listening and or watching untitled underqualified podcast uh we're on youtube under youtube.com slash a bunch of numbers and letters i can never remember it because uh i believe it's just a bunch of u's and e's and random numbers and that's just how it goes uh you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other major platform that you want to find us on. If we're not there, hey, shoot me a DM on Twitter, at uh, SkeetUp, and I'd be more than happy to fight for us to get on there. Um, yeah, this episode was not sponsored by anything other than me just wanting to talk to a friend that was, or at least I call him a friend, I don't know if he calls me a friend, that was super, super, super super qualified to speak on something that would make this uh uh one of two episodes that actually had somebody that was qualified to speak on what they wanted to speak on and with that i want to just wish everybody uh a good night and say roll clones am i supposed to say it not on my guest or <laughs> <laughs> oh, credits baby let's go Ha <laughs> ha